1: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, Columbus City Schools has responded to the letter from 2,800 teachers in the local teachers' union, the letter was delivered to the district yesterday. Columbus Education Association says, Ah, oh, we want to make sure we're safe. Don't want to go back into schools. COVID out of control. So, this has put parents in a very difficult situation because it has forced some Columbus City schools to make the decision on the fly as late as a couple hours before schools to start in the morning. Imagine trying to, if you're single mom, single dad, trying to order your day. My wife and I go over our schedule for the following day every single night. I'm taking the kids here. You're taking them there. You got this one after practice. You got this one after play practice. We've got it covered. Yes. Okay, we're good. And we communicate throughout the day. If you're a single parent, you don't have somebody else to lean on unless, of course, you're fortunate to have a grandmother, grandfather. But imagine if you couldn't make that decision the night before. You went to bed and you wait, 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 wait until 6 a.m. the next day to find out is your Student in school that day, or are they on virtual learning, which is to say no learning at all? Um, the head of the union, John Caneglio, said the current model of daily decisions to open some schools on below skeleton staffing and close others sometimes late six thirty a.m. the same day is unsustainable. Yeah, it is. So get your people's butts in the schools and teach, John. Like, don't act like you have sympathy for the dilemma you're putting parents in when you're creating the dilemma. So Talisa Dixon, who's the Columbus City School superintendent, says, we're committed to in-person learning as much as possible. <laughs> That's a non-committal response. I mean, if you're committed to it, then commit to it as much as possible. We know that in-person learning is best and the safest place for our students, and we'll continue to make sure we're learning in person as much as possible. Again, do it. I would like to see the governor make the National Guard available to school systems. Like, this whole hospital surge thing has been exaggerated and has trended on the assumption that our hospitals are bulging at the seams beyond their capabilities because of covid which magnifies in people's minds the possibility that COVID is some kind of overarching issue that we cannot deal with. That because we have a lot of people in the hospital because of COVID, that COVID is a problem because, I mean, after all, if people are in the hospitals. You only go to the hospital if you're really, really sick. If you're really, really sick, then you must be prone to dying. Ergo, people connect. Hospitals full, COVID raging, COVID dangerous, people dying a logical connection to make it's just not a factual connection to make the hospitals are packed because the hospitals have reduced capacity because the hospital staffs are down because of the vaccine mandates that's the reason and because it's winter and people get colds they get bronchitis they get other things that happen People slide off the road when the roads are slick and they get broken legs and collarbones and things like that that need to be taken care of. And a lot of people go in and have elective surgeries in the wintertime. Why? Because they don't want to be sitting around convalescing at home in the summertime. And since now we're in maximum COVID panic mode, everybody who goes in the hospital, we got to check them for their COVID cooties and they may feel 100% fine and have some vestige of the virus in their nose from six weeks ago, and they turn up as a COVID-positive test, and then the AP shouts it from the rooftops, and everybody goes, oh, look, you have 20,000 positive COVID tests in the state of Ohio. And the Democrats are just too stupid to realize that putting these numbers out every single day just makes them look worse and worse and worse and worse. But, of course, they have to have the fear that the numbers inspire in order to make the case that they'll fix it, they'll rescue you, they'll save you. Put your faith in us. So, why would DeWine, instead of giving the National Guard to hospitals, wouldn't it also make sense? Couldn't, I would think, National Guardsmen could drive school buses? Couldn't National Guardsmen serve as substitute teachers? Couldn't National Guardsmen serve as cooks and janitors and things like that in hard-hit school systems so we could keep the schools open, so the parents could get on with their lives, so we could get the economy back moving again? That would make sense to me. I would love to see Governor DeWine do that. So at one point in the past week after the New Year's school situation restarted, We had as many as 24 Columbus City schools closed in one day due to staff shortages. Now, that's something, again, that the National Guard could help with. And they're still talking about. They're still talking about spending money on PPE, personal protective equipment. Bernie Sanders is introducing a bill in Washington to have an N95 mask sent to every American. Okay, I want to know how they're going to do this. An N95 mask is supposed to be fitted to your face. So are they going to guess? Are they going to send multiple N95 masks to every house and you pick the one that fits best? Are we going to have some enterprising entrepreneur come up with a one-size-fits-all N95 mask? How many people who get their, uh, I love this word, free, government mask, along with their free government test, 32 of them, Biden says, they're coming, just wait. How many people are going to wear these masks? We have had and still have in the city of Columbus an indoor mask mandate. Do you notice a lot of people? When you're out and about wearing masks, I think more are wearing them now because they've managed to scare a fair amount of people with the Omicron numbers. By the way, the Associated Press now is discouraging its reporters from sharing positive Omicron test numbers. Why do you think that is? You see that reported every single day. I go to the local television websites. I go to the uh, public broadcasting, statenews.org. Their reporters every single day, Joe Ingalls, Karen Kassler, they're always reporting up record number, positive test today. I'll be interested to see if they continue to report those numbers every single day because the Associated Press is now encouraging people not to share those numbers. Why? Is it because the Associated Press has come to a realization that Omicron is not that dangerous? That Omicron is something that we should just press forward and move on and Buckle down and plow through? I don't think so. No, no, no. no. It's because the numbers make Joe Biden look bad. The numbers make the presidential candidate and the party that they prefer look bad. And so they're not going to publicize the numbers anymore. They're going to discourage highlighting the numbers. But there is, I think, a movement afoot among the people who have been exposed as liars and failures on public health policy, to realize that eventually, if you don't stop banging your head against the wall, you're going to permanently flatten your forehead and damage your brain. So Rochelle Walensky of the CDC tweeted yesterday, New, study on severity of those infected with the Omicron variant compared to the Delta variant. 53% less, less risk of hospitalization. 74% less risk of ICU admission. 91% less risk of death. Okay, so what percentage of dying did you have from original covid and delta survival population wide and i know it was much much higher in the elevated ages and comorbidities and all but just to take all of america together okay it was night you had a 99.98% chance of surviving covid now There's 91% less chance than that of dying. So essentially, there is almost no chance you will die of Omicron. How many Omicron patients, and it's been raging, it's been raging, for what, three weeks now in America? We had Sonia Sotomayor, Supreme Court Justice, the other day in oral arguments before the Supreme Court talking about Omicron and talking about 100,000 kids in dire health situations, many of them on ventilators, right? So, and so do my Supreme Court Justice. She's got clerks doing her research. Well, wouldn't you know, Rochelle Walensky's tweet yesterday says, how many Omicron patients have required mechanical ventilation? Rochelle, Rochelle, zero. Zero. So what are we doing shutting down schools? What are teachers unions doing? Refusing to go in. What are we doing quarantining people at home for, I don't care if it's five days or ten days. I don't care if it's five hours. This is stupid. This is over. This is a cold. This is an inconvenience. It's like I talked about the other day we have turned inconvenience into risk risk into threat and threat into certain death that's what we have done all in the, no not we they all in the name of inducing panic and giving up freedom and giving up liberty and you've got companies good ones falling for the nonsense and and doubling down on taking away their employees' freedoms. It's a situation that I think is reaching a tipping point where those of us who realize what a colossal threat this is to going forward, living the kind of life that we've lived before, where we have autonomy over our own decisions, Freedom, yes, to make mistakes that have dire individual consequences. Sometimes people make decisions that have dire individual consequences. But that's the country I want to live in. The country where I have to kowtow to someone who is trying to spare me, theoretically spare me, from something that is no reasonable threat to me is not a country I want to live in, and it's not a society that's ordered the way our society has ever been ordered, nor is it the way that our society was designed to be ordered. We have viewed down through the ages societies like that, and we have always been thankful that we didn't live in them. And if we don't stand up against this kind of error, we are going to find ourselves in that kind of a society. And turning the rudder to get it back to where it ever was before is going to be much more difficult than standing up and preserving what we still have right now. Well, your Saturday morning doorstep will soon be missing its Columbus Dispatch, if you're still among the relative few who get the dispatch delivered to your home. uh, Dispatch will cease home delivery starting on March the 26th. Uh, It says that people are shifting to digital news consumption, and so um, the subscriber base of the dispatch, which has been shrinking, like Joe Biden's cognitive abilities, uh, will now no longer have a saturday morning paper but they'll give you a full digital copy of the paper so you can go through it and look at what few want ads uh, are still there advertising comics puzzles things like that here's a quote from the new interim editor kelly leckler lecker excuse me uh, we are committed to covering local news in greater columbus and that won't change more and more readers are looking for our up to the minute coverage on a variety of platforms, including Dispatch.com, the mobile app, and on social media. Our print newspaper remains a vital tool to deliver news, but we are making a change in response to reader and advertising trends. They're doing this only because the costs are outweighing the benefits. They're not doing it because of trends. They're doing it to save money, which I get it. When you're a failing business, you're trying to preserve a portion of the business. And as I said, I have a lot of friends. Well, not a lot. I have a dwindling number of friends, not because my friends are dwindling, but because they're just getting to the point where they've been at the dispatch long enough that they make enough money that they're easily replaceable with younger talent. And I don't wish ill on the people that I know who work at the Columbus Dispatch, and I have hated to see, because I made newspapers my career, I have hated to see the downfall of newspapers uh, over the past 20 years. Uh, I once thought, foolishly, that newspapers were always going to be around because I thought they filled a need that no one else could fill. I did not envision an era where there would be so many independent news sites. I think Matt Drudge set the bar for that. There are now many, many, many independent sites. I did not envision the providers of information, the subjects of the content, to become Providers of the content. What do I mean by that? Well, take, take teams like sports teams, like Ohio State. Ohio State really doesn't even need to credential media to come and cover its games. Ohio State could put out its own content, its own interviews with players, its own video content. It would never have to let a TV station, a newspaper, or a website in to cover anything that goes on at Ohio State. That way, Ohio State can control the message. I hope that doesn't happen because I don't think it would be a message that would ever allow people to really know anything other than what the source of the information wants you to know. I think it would be the death of actual transparent truth, but we've compromised a lot on truth in a lot of different areas for a long, long time. Television stations now are in the news, the up-to-the-minute news business on their websites. Everybody, with a phone in their pocket, has a recording device and a camera and can become their own news reporter. So this is all competition that newspapers were not nimble enough to figure out in advance. And once it started to overwhelm them, like a tidal wave and a tsunami, uh, they've never been able to dig out from it. They started... Offering their content online free back in the day because I think the people who ran newspapers never thought that that would become the dominant way people would get their news. They didn't envision people reading their news on their handheld device. Commuters will always read a newspaper on the way to their job. Guys will always want to start their day with a newspaper at the breakfast table. And this guy still would like to do that. But that era is gone and it's gone forever. So, the dispatch will end its Saturday delivery. I'm actually surprised they still deliver at home six days a week. The few times that I actually see a hard copy of the dispatch, I'm stunned by how small it is. I mean, I'm just absolutely stunned by how little is in it. So, we'll see. I would predict that within the next two years... There will no longer be a print copy of the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, The plane dealer in Cleveland has gone to minimal days a week of delivery. I think they're down to four. And it's just not profitable anymore. It's a cumbersome process to print that paper, put that paper in trucks, have it delivered to people's homes. It just doesn't work anymore. It was a model that worked well for years and years and years and years. Technology has outstripped it, and we're seeing that come to life right here in our own city. Hour number two, on deck. Three-star
0: general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.